Hey there, you're listening to Your Life is Awesome, brought to you by Enjoy Toys, featuring true life stories about sex told by audience members at Smut Slams around the world. Smut Slam is a growing network of dirty storytelling shows founded in 2011 by me, Cameron Moore. We do our best to keep Smut Slam safe, but safe doesn't mean G-rated. Some of these stories are explicit as fuck. If you're not into that, now is a good time to get out. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Your Life is Awesome. We are really getting on a roll here now. Other slams around the world are starting up again after a long pandemic-based break. We are definitely going to be hitting more of that worldwide vibe uh, that we are so excited about to bring you from, from all across our network. For today, though, Our stories were recorded at the October 2022 slam in Berlin. Now, some people may still be wondering, how do we get these stories? What even is a smut slam? And uh, let me start by reassuring you that all of our stories are sustainably harvested from community sources. What that means is that we recruit people the night of the show. We invite them at the door to throw their names into the hat. And, uh, you know, if there's not too many of people, we'll draw their names and uh, they'll tell a story at the microphone. Now, in the sign-up sheets, we have extra special attention focused on consent. We want to make sure that people understand what's there. They have to opt in to be recorded for Uh, storytelling and we check back with them after the show to make sure it's okay to use their name or what name they want to use and to just double check that they're okay with sharing their story because not only are our slams worldwide but our listeners are worldwide too and and people have to be okay with sharing these authentic emotional stories so uh my story always kicks off the smut slam and that's true for the podcast as well the other tales in today's program include max who is sharing the thrill of dark rooms and mysterious boxes Uh, anna is uh telling us a little bit about fanfic as a portal for other realms of the self Carrie Ann has a wonderfully, I want to say it's very sweet story about a crush revisited and revived with a number of years in between. And we end the podcast with a story from Matilda, who as a teenager is trying really hard to reach an arbitrary achievement. You know how it is. You set goals for yourself. You set bucket lists for yourself. And she had one when she's going to tell us about it. In between the stories, you are going to get to hear some fuck buckets, which are anonymous confessions and questions that audience members can all throw into the bucket. And I, as the host, get to answer. Some of them I can answer right off the top of my head. Sometimes I ask the judges to weigh in. Sometimes I'll turn it around on the audience and have them throw some answers out. Because honestly, crowdsourcing advice is is one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed. It's really great. So we get a chance to experience some of that with Fuck Buckets as well. Um, those are just in between stories. You'll hear them here in this episode as well. Uh, I want to make a little, a short little technical disclaimer. Uh, there's a little bit of noise at the beginning of the recording that settles down a little bit. We're still getting used to a new venue here in Berlin. And don't worry that noise does not continue throughout the podcast. Things do 
do settle down just to give you a little heads up about that. And that's it. I'll see you on the other side. One, some of you might not have been born yet. <laughs> in 2001, I went to Burning Man for the second time. Uh, round of applause, people who know what Burning Man is. Yeah. Puzzled looks from people who don't know what Burning Man is. Yeah, there's a few of you. Okay. Uh, so, Burning Man, for those of you who don't know, is a festival of. of, of Drug, sex, rock and roll, art uh, happening in the desert, uh, in a desert in Nevada. It is um, a lot of sex, to be honest, for a lot of people. And I went there that year specifically in, with the purpose of getting laid. Let me tell the backstory on that. So the year before, I had talked to my long-term girlfriend and said, I want an open relationship because I think I still want dick. <sighs> That went down like a ton of bricks. It was a hard conversation. It was a series of hard conversations. And the end result of it was, is like, okay, we will try open relationships, but no fucking in her car, no fucking at home, no fucking anywhere in the general kind of like 50 mile radius. And so, I mean, those all were like, at the time they felt like quite reasonable kind of considerations because we were both feeling very like tentative about it. And, um, we finally decided that, okay, Burning Man, that's an eight-hour drive away. Surely that's safe enough. People come there from all over the country and the world. I'll do that. I will go get some more dick at Burning Man. Yeah. And it was confounded by and compounded by the, the issue that I also was determined to go to Burning Man to get dick, to get laid, while sober. And I feel weird telling this story in bars where it's like, we, you know, go ahead and drink, it'll loosen your inhibitions. But my problem had been for a decade that I was, I would get really fucking wasted and then have ill-advised sex with dudes. And when I say ill-advised, I mean everything from like deep regret the next day to possibly criminal, right? On their side, Right. So I, I was, at that point, I had just like, when I got together with my girlfriend, I had thrown away all of that. I was just like, I am so tired of weird sex with dudes. Thank God I'm bisexual. Okay, I'll just go for that and skip all the problems. But of course, bisexuality, if you've got it, <laughs> if you are it, just like any other sexuality, you can't actually repress it. Like, whatever your kind of ratio is inside, like, how much do I like this and this and this gender? It's kind of there. You can't unknow what you know. And what I knew after a drunken one-night stand, cheating on my girlfriend, is like, oh, I still do want dick. Let me just remove the booze and the drugs out of the equation and see if I really want it or if it's just the drugs doing all the work. And so I went, this seems like heroic when I think about it now, because Burning Man really is about sex and drugs. There's a lot of drugs going on there, which is terrible because it's a desert. So who's keeping track of how well you're hydrating? Nobody, right? Nature will kill you. They don't care about your, your high. So I went and I was sober and, and actually it was, it, was, it was almost like a trek, a biblical trek in the desert. It was almost like that because I was hydrating enough, but it was very dry during the day and hot and very cold at night, and I would just kind of stride around with a cape, you know, 
It's just a good all-weather sort of like majestic biblical attire, you know. And I would look at things and be sober, and I would serve coffee to people at the central tent and be sober. And I just got to see everything sober. And it was a very strange, transcendent experience. But I wasn't getting laid. (laughs) Was not getting laid yet. And so I tried to be very chill. I tried to be very kind of like, you know, grounding in myself. It's fine. It's a journey. It's part of the process. It's all fine. But really, I wanted to get laid. So I was just nurturing this little bit of sadness in the back of my heart, the back of my head. And on the very last night, like the night of the burn, they call it the burn, when they take the big 40-foot-tall wooden man and set that thing on fire. Um, And um, I was like, okay, I've reached the end of the burn. I've reached the end of Burning Man just about. I guess I'm not getting laid, which I felt extra sad about because I dressed up specifically that night. So nice. It was like this black velvet mini dress, you know. It was like ruffle butt panties, you know, those ruffly panties, right? Yeah, and fishnets and Doc Martens. And I didn't know how to dress to attract men in any way. (laughs) What I thought I needed to dress like. I did not know how to do that because I had just spent 10 years as a dyke. And so I still don't know how to do it. But, like, uh, I, I, I... I I asked friends to help with my attire, and they said, this is a cute outfit. I said, great, I'm going to put on this cute outfit, and I'm going to be there at the burn, sitting on the couch, watching the wooden man get prepared. Don't turn the lights down, thanks. Um, Watching the wooden man get prepared to to go on fire and thinking, this is the end. Okay, but at least I look nice. And then this guy sat next to me, as if I had summoned him out of nowhere. This guy sat next to me and said, you look nice. Almost exactly what I was thinking in my head. At least I look nice. You do look nice. Right? And he said, like, he said something about, like, oh, that's a great outfit. He, he said, I really like the way that velvet looks. And he kind of touched my thigh where the velvet was. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, um, and then he said, I saw, I saw your ruffle butts earlier. I saw your panties earlier. Those are cute. And I was just sitting there going, melting. The long story short, which it never is, but like he, we just, we ended up flirting and I was sober. I was just like doing this and I'm like, oh, I can do this. I don't need that. I can do this by myself. And I still want it by myself. And so we ended up getting, going back to his tent, which wasn't like a pup tent. It was a full out dome tent. So when I got on top, I could sit upright, right? <laughs> and I totally did because it was fucking, yeah. He was pretty big. And so when I sat on top, it was a little bit like, oh, I see. It felt like it was going right up into my throat kind of thing. And uh, I was just rocking back and forth and just fucking majestically riding that right up into the fucking ceiling through the tent, out into the the night sky. Everyone in the camp around us, probably for 50-mile radius, (laughs) heard me going, yeah! You know, like, just, I really just fucking have a great time on that. And, like... The next morning, where there were no promises exchanged, I didn't see him again, I didn't talk to him again, but like that will always be one of the more formative sexual encounters of my adult life, not because of his dick. Uh, it was pretty good. But, but because I was there for it entirely, and I could experience that magic without anything else, that I could make that magic happen and create that magic with someone else just with what I brought for myself. Thank you. Oh, no. I read it just to make sure it doesn't violate the code of conduct, right? 
A girl gave me a blowjob in the baby changing room of a train. And we got out. Three moms with babies were upset. <sighs> Some people are not being very civic minded here. Come on. Oh, poopy babies. Ugh. Think of that the next time you get a. No, don't think of that. Okay. Um. Oh. 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 I just live the whole experience right here. Okay. I'm currently crushing hard on my daddy, which is quite nice, but also very sad because while he likes me too, I don't think he will ever go for a relationship relationship with me. See, I don't offer advice unless the person asks for advice. So we'll just have a sympathetic. Shall I read one more? Stop it. (laughs) It's starting. Oh, you again. (laughs) This fucker always tries to hide. It's like at an auction or something. Four more. No. To all penis owners who feel their member is too small, remember, fisting is amazing and small hands are never a problem. Oh, gosh. There's a heart on this and it's perfectly placed. It's wonderful. Eating ass is fun. Also, is my partner just especially clean? Because I do not taste anything other than how skin normally tastes. No, not especially clean. Just if you get clean down there, you generally, your tongue isn't going to go that deep, right? So if you get really clean down there, it's all tasty, nummy skin. Don't worry. That sounded weird. Nice to be here. Nice to be telling my story. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna be telling you about the first time I had sex with a woman. I'm a very gay man. Always been gay. Very gay. <laughs> um, I'm saying this because it took me a very long time until I was I felt comfortable in this identity, and so this first experience was something magical, special for me. Um, because I never, I never thought this would be possible at all. So um, this happened a few years ago, back then when Griesmühle was still open. So I went to cocktail, I was hanging out with my friends. I was having a very good time. And uh, of course, there was a little bit of drugs involved. So I was having, yeah, very good time. Um, and then ended up in the Cosmic Hall. For those of you who have never been, it's like this... Yeah, this hole in the building um, where, I don't know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult to explain and I'm a little bit nervous, um, but so basically I'm just dancing on this, on this um, dance floor, the music is amazing, I'm feeling myself, and then there's this beautiful woman in front of me who I see who's kind of like pointing at me, um, but I don't, I'm obviously not assuming that she's meaning myself because I'm like, I'm totally gay. She, was, she would never be interested into me. Like, how, how, did, how would that be possible? Um, and so she just, like, took the rein and comes towards me and starts dancing with me. And we're just having this very organic moment where it's very nice and just looking each other into, the, uh, into each other's eyes. And, um, and I, I just decide to let myself go and, and enjoy the moment and see how things are going to go. And... So we end up spending a lot more time together. We end up spending pretty much the entire night together. Uh, we're having very nice discussions where we ask very, each other very intimate questions and where we try to like dig and, and bring out the insecurities and, and 
we find out a lot about each other, and eventually we end up uh, going to the dark room together. And there we are, both naked. We start having sex together. She's masturbating me. I eat her up. I had never done anything uh, with a woman before, so it was a lot. It was quite overwhelming for me. But basically, what I'm trying to say is that it kind of opened doors for me because at at this point, I realized I spent so much energy and time in my life trying to fit. In, in one box. I mean, I needed to fit in that box and to accept it until, until this happens. And I'm like, wow, why do I need to restrict myself to this one box when I can have everything, depending on the context, depending on the wants? And so this... <laughs> and so this was like, this was like a, well, a very special moment that I keep uh, in my memories. We're still in touch sometimes. I haven't seen her since then, but we write to each other on Instagram, and she's very sweet, and uh, I keep a very good memory of it. And since then, it has kind of like opened my horizons, if I may say, because, yeah, I would always be looking out for the guys, but now I'm like, well, whatever magic happens, that's it. I just wanted to make the joke. I have to. I can't heckle at my own show, but I can say now you just wanted to be in the one box. You, now you could be in all the boxes you wanted. <sighs> I, I actually stayed 11 years old, uh, and so now it's just all the jokes. I also thought that the, the name of the room was the Cosmic Cosmic Hole. It is hole. The Cosmic Hole or the Cosmic Hall. Hole. It is the cosmic hole. I went right there then. Great. God, I, I, I respect. I respect places that name their rooms. What's happening? You know what I mean? Like I just just say what it is. Oh. I would love to spend like a long time in bondage, like a whole day or something, and they have a little cat face, winking cat emoji. Hope, and they said, hopefully better this time. Maybe last time I made fun of their emoji. Uh, it's really cute. This is a good one. Whoever wrote this one, your cat is very distinctly a cat. Yeah. I, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, uh, so I don't give advice, but if I did, I would say make sure you talk to someone real nice and they're not leaving you in bondage by yourself anywhere. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> So, I think I might be the first and maybe only person here today who is going to use magic, not in a metaphorical way, but literally. So, one thing you have to know about me. Um, I'm kinky, and I only found out about that a few years ago, and I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. So, <laughs> so that's where we have the connection to uh, magic. So I used to be in a, in a relationship. It was like a really long-term relationship, married to and everything. And it was like really sexually repressed with a person who was like not open to try anything. So basically I was like, once I mentioned like something like handcuffs or something, it was like, no, that's so dirty. That's so filthy. We could never even try that. So um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I was like living in this relationship and I was like thinking, oh, you know, I'm like having this kind of like perfect life. Why am I not health? Why am I not happy? Why can I not accept this happiness that society thinks I should probably be accepting or how I should be? 
Um, so I was also in my brain, in my mind, living my own little life on the side, you know, where I was like imagining having my own apartment to myself where I could do everything that I wanted to or be by myself. And I was also um, reading a lot of, let's say, fiction that took me away to different places. And something that I read, and now you're going to laugh and I'm going to be so ashamed, I read so much Harry Potter fan fiction. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you ever read any kind of fan fiction or Harry Potter fan fiction in particular, you know there's a lot of smut out there, okay? <laughs> There's a lot of smut out there, and there's like all these kind of couplings. It's not just, you know, like Ron and Hermione and Harry and Ginny and everything that's like canon, but there's also like all this like really, really filthy stuff out there, right? So there I was reading, and there I was like, you know, starting off with the mild things that was like, oh, you know, um, people having sex and people getting each other off and trying new things that I had obviously never tried because I had forever been in this relationship without anything new going on. And then all of a sudden I, I, I found this... Um, do you know what it is a, a, a sh when you're shipping, like a couple? in, in Yes. <laughs> so basically you can like have all these new kind of couples in fan fiction and then when you're shipping them it's basically like yes I'm supporting Draco and Hermione totally to the end because they could have made an awesome couple <laughs> and they could have been kinky as fuck together at least that's what I read online and then you know <laughs> you know I was starting to get into this fan fiction and it was all these things like oh you know the dirty death eater and the muggle born and he's like grabbing her by the throat and calling her all kinds of names and grabbing her hand. I'm like, shit, why, I like, why do I like this so much? <laughs> why do I like this so much and what is so interesting about this for me? So basically, this is how I noticed that I was kinky. And now I'm like fully immersed in like the munches, the kinky society, having friends in the kinky society, going to all these awesome parties and coming to places like here. And... <laughs> Thank you. So it's the magical wizarding world of Harry Potter who helped me recognize that I'm kinky. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you know that J.K. Rowling would not approve, right? <laughs> like, fuck that lady anyway, right? Everyone knows that too. I just want to put that out there. Um, I personally um, got way into, okay, uh, uh, I got way into Xena and Gabrielle fanfic. Xena, <laughs> warrior princess? Yeah, yeah, she was, yeah. Uh, well, who, what else do people got? What else, what is your fanfic that you got? What is your fanfic? Buffy. Buffy, of course, Buffy, yeah, yeah. Xena, warrior princess. Oh, Xena? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? Venom. My college roommate wrote Hey Arnold Science Fiction. Hey Arnold. Science Fiction. I don't even know what that is. What is it? Helga slowly takes off the football-shaped space helmet. <laughs> See, I was expecting Star Trek or Star Wars or Star Trek over there. What's your ship? What's your ship? Star Trek, what's your favorite ship? Worf and the Doctor and DS9, right? I mean, who wouldn't? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so there's lots of power there for sure. 
uh, in uh, totally taking over a media franchise. Do you want a fuck bucket? Yeah. Oh my God, I'll do two. Ah! You win. Okay. Oh no. Oh, this is truly a dilemma of our age. Okay. I have too many sex toys and many aren't used anymore. They are broken or just low quality or just not cutting it anymore. I'm going to have to throw them away, but I feel bad about it because it seems wasteful. I'm going to give advice because, again, this is, the age, this is the age we live in. If you have toys that are, like, you can, you can hygienically sanitize them, you should, re, you should like, give the, ask your friends if they want them. Like, good uh, silicone dildos can be, can be totally sterilized. Stainless steel toys, glass things can be sterilized. If you have something that is, um, uh, you know, that's otherwise battery-powered or, like, is, is delicate components, be careful when you dispose of them. And um, don't feel bad about it, all right? Like, this is just the nature of... of, of having it's the nature of capitalism exactly exactly don't don't feel too bad about it dispose of it responsibly recycle or not recycle uh up upcycle do you want to upcycle your dildo <laughs> you can paint flowers around the base and put it up on as a decorative a vase i don't know um yeah wow make centerpieces out of them. we did that one year are you heckling me back there stop it kit okay um this year, okay, this year, uh, oh, hey, oh, hey. This year, I discovered the pleasure and intimacy to let someone drink my pee. Since then, I can't, I can't get enough of it. XOXOXO. The funny thing is this person's handwriting looks like magical Lord of the Rings cursive. And it feels like a prophecy that I'm reading from the page. I can't show it to you, but it's pretty magical. This is like, oh, no. <laughs> we've, we've released smog. Um, okay. Um, how many of you know what a promise ring is? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. So I'm an American, and we have this, like, hmm, I grew up in Bible Belt, Michigan. Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, and um, as a teenager, I... Um, <clears throat> I chose heterosexuality um, with a promise ring. And I did that whole thing, and um, it was not good for me. And uh, I ended up married and, you know, all the things. Um, but along the way, there were um, many points of context where it was like, oh, it was clear that, oh, that's not what you want. And um, <clears throat> one of them was this uh, woman that I went to college with. And um, we were in the same music program. We sang jazz together. <laughs> she was an alto, I was a soprano. <laughs> and um, me, and actually the future um, husband, and then now ex-husband, um, mm, you can say boo to that. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, we, um, oh, we used to call her homewrecker. Um, and she loved this name, by the way, um, because she would she was slutty and loved to flirt and have sex with everyone. And I was just like, oh, my God, I was so enraptured with her. And um, there was one point um, uh, where future 
husband slash ex-husband was living in. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Was living in this house and it was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, uh, and this house was not very well insulated and future ex husband slash ex-husband was living in or had a bed that was basically a single bed. It was really not enough for two people. So there was one night it was extremely cold because it was Michigan. It was like negative 20 degrees or whatever it was. And um, so the decision was made that I would go and sleep downstairs with, I need a name. I need a name. That's Angela. Yes, Angela. So I went downstairs to sleep in Angela's bed because Angela's bed was bigger and it was warmer. Yeah, all of those things. (laughs) In the middle of the night, someone's hand starts creeping over towards my body. Someone's body starts cozying up to me. And I realize that I'm enjoying this far more than I thought I should. Um, and basically at the time I didn't know that this was what was going on, but I basically like without much touch had an orgasm next to her with like literally, literally it was just hands, not even here. It was like here. And, um, I didn't realize that was what was happening at the time. And I was like, Oh, that was really nice, but I shouldn't ever do that again. And, (laughs) Because I made a promise with my promise ring. Um, so I ended up, you know, marrying the husband now, probably ex-husband. And boo, thank you. And um, 13, I guess it's 13 years later, I meet up with Angela. First, we have like a Facebook exchange, like, oh, my God, do you remember college? You know, that was really fun. <laughs> Um, and, um, I mean, she lives in America and I live here. And so it was one of these occasions like, oh yeah, we're going to catch up. It's going to be, you know, so much fun. We had so much fun in college singing jazz together. (laughs) (laughs) And I met up with her in, let's see, it was Grand Rapids. It wasn't Kalamazoo. And, um, things developed. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And Angela and I, um, oh, well, the first, the first time we met again, it was basically an all-night makeout session. So, And then the second time, um, this was really the first time that I had ever really had sex with a woman. And um, I made her comment. I was like, what am I, magic fingers? What am I? I was like, what is this? Um... And I think, unfortunately, went to my head uh, because I was like, oh, my God, I'm so good at this. <laughs> so the next, you know, the next couple of times it wasn't quite as successful. I had to, like, work a little harder. But, <laughs> but I will say Angela was the most magic person in my life. She brought me to who I am. She brought me to my first experience um, as a bisexual woman. And um, thank you, Angela, for that. Because 
that first time, right, the first time you're just floating on like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I think people, like, if you're really into it, like, it feels like, you know, like, oh yeah, we can get that energy. But like the second and third time, it's like, oh, oh yeah, I, I do have to put some energy into it. Oh, that's amazing though. My partner is fairly well endowed. I am scared to even try anal. Is there a way to prepare to make anal as easy as possible? Easy and enjoyable as possible. Yeah, it's good they added that. They tacked that in at the end. Easy. Oh, yeah, and enjoyable. Easy and enjoyable. Okay, so my personal recommendation is eat ass sober. I strongly recommend that you do rim jobs. Rim jobs are totally relaxing. They're lovely and pleasurable all in themselves. Uh, and then when you start to get into penetration, you want to start out easy and gentle and you want to work your way up. So don't go straight for the boof. You don't need to do that. Um, you, can, you can take your way slowly. The process itself should be enjoyable of getting there. And if at any point you're like, no, 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 this is about right, then you stop. You do that, well, you don't stop right away. You're like, this is about right, do that. Come back to it some other time. You do not have to achieve, like, wrist-level fullness uh, in one go. In fact, why rush? Just enjoy it. Eat lots of ass. That's what I'm saying. Did someone say thank you? <laughs> okay. I'm going to do another one. Can I do another one? Okay, they would all be walking out the door if they were really tired. Okay, but they're not. So, okay. Jesus Christ. They're like Pringles. I'm going to go buy a can of Pringles afterwards. They're like Pringles. Oh. Oh, this hurts my heart. The sex I had today was pretty mediocre. Do not settle for mediocre sex. I don't believe that sex is like pizza, right? There's that old joke that, you know, oh, like, even mediocre pizza is good pizza. No, that's why it's called mediocre pizza. Um, no, you want good sex as often as you can. Good heaven. I was 14, and I had made the executive decision that I needed to be someone who loses her virginity early. Um, this has been an executive decision I had made because I realized sex must be fun. Um, my idea of sex, unfortunately, was penis in vagina, fast, fast, done. <laughs> and um, and uh, I decided to fulfill my duty to myself to have sex early um, by seeking it out, which in my unfortunately very self-conscious body meant this would be a very hard task. <laughs> and I said to myself, you will take every opportunity to potentially get there. This was a goal, by the way, just set to myself by myself for no apparent reason. But I decided that I must have sex before I'm 16 or else I have failed myself. I don't know why, but I decided that that was it. And so we start on my long and arduous journey to fulfill this task, which should have been pretty easy um, when you're around a bunch of horny 15-year-olds. Um, and we start with our first character, Silvio. Silvio was this beautiful Italian man I met on an island. He was, he was 17, I was 15, and I said, this is it. Silvio and I, we will consummate this, and I can finally, finally win my own bet. It is late night. We are on a beach. It is sandy. All the friends have left. 
we take out uh, a beach uh, a, a beach chair. We lie on it. We make out. I look up at the sky. I feel the sand in my toes, and I'm like, "Yes, Matilda, you are about to fuck." <laughs> and then Silvio asks me, "Have you done it before?" And I go. Hmm, is this a good moment for a lie or a bad moment for a lie? And I decide to tell him the truth, which unfortunately, fortunately, made him say, "I'm so sorry. This shouldn't be the, the this shouldn't be the way you lose your virginity." But I was like, "No, you must understand. I have to fulfill a duty." <laughs> And that goes Silvio. And um, a month later, I am in America for the first time at theater summer camp, and there is Casey. <laughs> In comes Casey. Casey was in the film summer camp. Ooh, already hot. Casey had floopy hair. This is 2006. Hot. Casey had red cheeks and was from Wyoming. I'd never heard of Wyoming. Hot. The boys and the girls were not allowed to see each other after 10 p.m., which for my little slutty Italian self was pretty hard to understand considering I spent my weekends uh, drinking Bacardi breezers and making out with strangers. Um, and so there was, the, the boys had decided to throw a toga party. And, and I was like, hot. Matilda, see if you didn't fuck you, but tonight you will fuck. And so uh, I make this decision, I take my sheet, and I secretly stumble across the hallways of the UCLA theater camp building to get myself to Casey's room, in which there is myself and Casey. Uh, not a party. And I, unfortunately, hadn't been informed of the fact that um, in order for you to have enjoyable uh, penetrative sex, things must happen beforehand. My understanding was, bam, bam, that's it. <laughs> and so we get to the point in which bam, bam could happen. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And I am wearing a jean skirt with too many buttons. And I will never forget this man, boy, sorry, trying to unbutton my skirt and going, oh, fashion. <laughs> At which point I knew it wasn't going to happen. And there ended trial number two. Enter Marco. Marco uh, and I, uh, Marco falls madly in love with me because why not? Um, and uh, we are 15. And I think to myself, the man is in love with you. You will now finally fuck. You are not 16 yet. You have fulfilled your expectations. <laughs> and, um, but neither Marco nor I had had sex before. And, um, and so uh, we try and fail over and over and over and over again. And this process became so lengthy that at one point I stopped believing in it until one day, it is the afternoon after school, we are in my father's bed and we are naked going at it. We are both like, today it's going to work. Yes, it will work when in waltzes my father. <laughs> 
So one more attempt done, and I think the trauma from this held Marco back from wanting to sleep with me for about another six months. So I am at this point approaching 16. You must understand that my anxiety is at an all-time high. If I do not fuck within the next few weeks, I have failed myself. And so we finally go for it, and I am wearing the ugliest shorts known to mankind. Okay, I will never forget how ugly these shorts were. Um, they were like this length, cut off from jeans, it, a very unattractive. I was wearing terrible cotton underpants that had, you know, when um, the acid from <laughs> had like a little hole. And, and my parents are gone, and we are in the living room in my apartment, and we're like gonna do it, it's gonna happen, and it does. And it was really just okay, <laughs> of course. But then I had this moment in the shower, sitting by myself on the ground of my shower, and I was so happy. And to me, the magical moment was actually by myself in the shower, realizing I fulfilled my expectations. <laughs> Thank you. These people, you people. Magic, it's got asterisks on both sides, right? Ooh, magic. Zzz. Last night during a Lord of the Rings marathon, <laughs> my partner turned me around and fucked me from behind so we could both watch together. <laughs> Felt magical while watching magic. If I don't see some nerd fucker sales back there, I will be so disappointed in everybody. Oh, my God. Okay, so this person has a little note, a footnote, or a top note, uh, that says, I identify as a woman. I, I was certain that I'm only into guys my entire life. Recently, though, I started noticing that maybe I'm into girls as well, after all. It feels a bit scary, ooh, but also kind of exciting to start exploring this new side of me. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope you got a real magical thrill out of it, just like we all did listening to it live. If you already want more of Smut Slams, you need to join our Patreon for Your Life is Awesome over on Patreon. Uh, if you join us right now, we have already two bonus extended episodes up. And episode two got to our patrons a whole week early. Now, we're not going to make any future guarantees on that front, but when we get stuff done quickly, we share it with our patrons first. So go over to Patreon and join us there. I want to give a special shout out to our new Berlin venue, Crack Belmer. They're wonderful. They stepped up wonderfully for us at our first time there in October, and we are looking forward to making a nice, comfy home there. Uh, do check them out if you're in the area. A little note about our upcoming slams throughout the network over the next month. Uh, on November 21st, we are back at Crack Belmer in Berlin. That's November 21st. It's Monday night. On Thursday, November 25th, Winnipeg Smut Slam returns to Limelight. November 29th, I'll be hosting at Demask in Copenhagen. December 6th is Smut Slam hosted by Lucas Brooks in Boston at the Somerville uh, Arts at the Armory Cafe. And then December 13th, I will be hosting at the Bunchspeck Kneipe und Galerie uh, in Leipzig. So that is December 13th at Leipzig. That's the full month coming up. Uh, obviously, in December, 
you know, once the middle of December passes, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. But until then, we've got a lot going on. Now, if you'd like to find out a little bit about more shows uh, that I'm doing over the next little bit, here we go. November 23rd, I will be hosting a new storytelling plus artist interview show, Truth or Dare, Truth or Dare, on Wednesday, November 23rd, right here in Berlin. And that is featuring visiting artist, performer, kink activist, uh, kink educator, Molina Lee Williams Haas. Uh, so we're going to be getting it dressed up in our pajamas and having a good old fashioned kind of chit chat on stage with questions and dares coming from the audience as well. That's November 23rd, Truth or Dare at The Love Light in uh, in Berlin. November 30th, I'll be leading a Talking Tough workshop in Copenhagen. Talking Tough is dirty talk for people who are asked to top someone else, but maybe don't know how to do it very well. Uh, so that's what that workshop is about, Talking Tough in Copenhagen. And on December 14th, I am co-hosting Mindfuck, a sex-themed pub quiz with co-host Diego Wedgwood that is at the Vine Salon in Berlin. That is Mindfuck on December 14th. Tickets for all of those shows are available on Eventbrite. You can go check those out there. Uh, for Smut Slams in general, you want to check out SmutSlam.com. That is it for the next month, folks. Uh, of course, the episode of the next episode of Your Life is Awesome will be out well before then. So stay tuned. Stay comfy and well wherever in the world you are. And remember, your life is awesome. This has been Your Life is Awesome, a story podcast from Smut Slam with Cameron Moore. Produced by me, Mark Seestedt. Music by Sticky Biscuits. A huge thank you to all storytellers featured. All stories are being shared with permission. Thanks also to Enjoy Toys, makers of deluxe stainless steel instruments of pleasure, for continually supporting Smut Slam. Find them at enjoytoys.com. If you want to help us make more of these, plus get access to longer episodes and other bonus material, please join our Patreon at patreon.com. Your life is awesome. If that's not in the cards right now, you can also help by rating and reviewing this show. Look for that option in your podcast app. We might read out some reviews on a future episode. Got a question for Cameron? Write or send a voice recording to smutslampodcast at gmail.com. This too might be featured on the podcast. And if you want to find out more about Smutslam and the code of conduct we use in the shows, go to smutslam.com. All links mentioned can be found in the podcast info. Thanks for listening.